Can anyone teach knowledge to God? Job 21, verse 22. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. This is episode number 70. We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 21, verses 22 to 34. Let's start with 22. Job says, Can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges even the highest? Although as Job is talking about people in high positions, we can't help but remember that God judged the sinning angels as well. Uh, And Peter said, For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. Let's continue. One person dies in full vigor, completely secure and at ease, well-nourished in body, bones rich with marrow. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. Side by side they lie in the dust, and worms cover them both. Well, bitterness of soul is the agony, like like in 1 Samuel 1, the agony of a longing heart. Or, Or, as in Job 7, a deep grief. As we heard, I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. Or it can be despair. Job said, I loathe my very life in chapter 10. One of the consequences of mankind's fall into sin is death, which does not discriminate and which does not show any mercy and brings grief to all. Continuing at verses 27. I know full well what you are thinking, the schemes by which you would wrong me. You say, where now is the house of the great, the tents where the wicked lived? Have you never questioned those who travel? Have you paid no regard to their accounts that the wicked are spared from the day of calamity, that they are delivered from the day of wrath? Who denounces their conduct to their face? Who repays them for what they have done? They are carried to the grave, and watch is kept over their tombs. The soil in the valley is sweet to them. Everyone follows after them, and a countless throng goes before them. Well, what happens to those who have gone before us into death? Some teach that they wait in purgatory, but the scriptures know nothing of purgatory. Job's cry, have you never questioned those who travel, is not about speaking to those who have died before us. Job is just talking about travelers in general. If anyone would ever think that they're in touch with the spirit of a dead loved one, they should run and run fast and run far. A spirit who claims to be a dead loved one and who tries to communicate with us shouldn't be given the time of day. It's either a demon imitating someone or else someone's own mind is playing a trick. God has commanded us never to attempt to speak with the dead in Leviticus 19 and Leviticus 20, verse 6. Isaiah said, why consult with the dead on behalf of the living? Isaiah 8, 19. What we need to remember is that the time we have in life here on earth is our time of grace, the time we have in which to come to faith in Jesus, our Savior. Let's look at verse 34. So how can you console me with your nonsense? Nothing is left of your answers but falsehood. 
Job's shout here at the end of chapter 21 brings on the third and the final and the shortest round of speeches. Only two of the friends are going to speak after this. The claim that their speeches are nonsense and falsehood is, I think, hitting close to home. When we console each other, we need to use the gospel of God's forgiveness. It's too easy to tear down each other. Only God can truly build us back up again. Humble yourself before the Lord, James said, and he will lift you up. The gospel of Jesus is the gospel of forgiveness and the resurrection of the dead. In all of our troubles, we keep our eyes focused on the truth of the cross and the empty tomb, and we can know that heaven is our home. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. All glory to our Lord and God is shared by Koine. All glory to our Lord and God For love so deep, so high, so broad The Trinity whom we adore Forever and We will come back. Genesis 22, 1-5 Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey, while I go over and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. 
Was Abraham cold as stone? Why was he so heartless and emotionless that he could even consider carrying this out? Sacrifice his son. It's striking to note that he didn't hesitate at all. There was nothing to deliberate. If God wanted him to do this, he would do it. He loved the Lord more than his precious Isaac. And you can be sure he loved Isaac. You can be sure this weighed on his mind more than any father's actions for any son. But he did it, and without hesitation, early the next morning. How often don't you see that God calls you through his word to do something, and maybe you sometimes delay, or hesitate, or just weigh in your mind just how much do you really think you should do it? Could I just maybe do something easier, Lord? Could I put it off for maybe a few days? I know that's what you want, God, but... You see, Abraham's excuses are absent from this account. He didn't need any. Nor do we when God commands. Why didn't Abraham hesitate? Something about his word to his servant reveals why he wasn't going to hesitate. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I don't think Abraham was lying here. Abraham truly believed God would not let him walk away from the act of sacrificing his son with a dead son in the end. We will come back. The writer to the Hebrews affirms this. By faith, he reminds us, Abraham offered up his son and was willing to go through with it. And why was Abraham willing to embrace all this? Because he was willing to embrace God's word and follow it because he embraced all of God's promises. God promised that his offspring would come through the boy Isaac. God promised that the world would be blessed through Isaac. And so Abraham knew God would still work for all good. The writer to the Hebrews states, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Nothing Nothing can get in the way of God's promise. So there's no reason not to follow God's word. That's the faith we have too. We have faith in the same God as Abraham. It is knowing that the Lord's will is always best because his promises never fall to the ground, even if he has to overturn death itself. And he did this. Abraham's faith wasn't misplaced. He did send one who would bless the whole world, the one born from the line of Abraham, the line of Isaac, was the Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. His Son came into this world to make good on the greatest promise and defeat death. And not even death could hold back the fulfillment of this promise. Nor will it hold back the promises that are yours in Christ. He did raise His Son back to life. Why hesitate? We are bound for glory. Freedom in Christ is shared by Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 5:13-15 Self-indulgence You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in one single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. NIV, 1984. Luther lamented, When I preach the gospel, people run around sinning as if that does not matter. 
When I preach the law to admonish sin, then they fall back into the old thinking that they can gain heaven by their works. This is a paraphrase of his words. And this happens to this day. Thus, pastors who wish only to present the joy and comfort of salvation free and sure in Christ must speak sharply and repeatedly about sin. Repentance must be emphasized. Paul is our example in this. He has spent lots of ink and parchment on the subject of freedom from the law. Now he issues a warning. Don't pervert your freedom into a license to sin. It is possible for those who have been won by the gospel to sin their way into unbelief and eternal death. Baptism is always valid. But we do not preach once baptized, always saved, as some accuse us of, and as some Lutherans in the pew may falsely infer. Salvation in Christ is sure, but it can be lost by my own rebellion. Notice what the specific issue is in Galatia. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Does that even need further explanation? And does that kind of church attract others to the gospel? We must always be examining ourselves for self-indulgent behavior. Our sinful self, the old Adam, remains an enemy of God until God fulfills his promise and removes us from this valley of tears. Repent and believe the gospel are not just words for the new Christian. They are the everyday words and process for all Christians. This is not easy, but it is essential. And then we are once again under the freedom that Paul has been proclaiming. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from the control of sin. Freedom from, God, from Satan's threats of hell. Freedom from the threats of God's law. Free in the cleansing blood of Christ. Moment with the Master. Shared by Pastor Aaron Nitz. Welcome to A Moment with the Master. Today, the, the moment that we're going to focus on is from Isaiah chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, which reads, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Do you like light? Medical professionals sometimes refer to a medical condition called seasonal affective disorder, with the cute acronym SAD, S-A-D, for people who are distressed or depressed during the winter months. Apparently, professionals don't know very much about it other than that those who suffer from it are particularly sensitive to light or the lack of light. Who knew that light makes such a difference in life? In fact, we do generally like light. We like sunny days and well-lit rooms. But unfortunately, in some ways, we prefer darkness to light, don't we? You see, God often equates sin with darkness. When we sin, we move away from God. When we sin, we move away from true light. When we sin, we move into darkness. And the result? The darkness of sin and its effects can only leave us famished, distressed, and full of gloom. But thank the Lord, he doesn't leave us in the dark. In love, God sent true light into the world. Indeed, the light of the world. Jesus 
His Son, Jesus who took the punishment of our dark sin in His body, Jesus whose death on the cross on one dark day paid for your sins in full, Jesus whose light shone forth as He rose from the dead proving that forgiveness, life, and salvation are yours. And where do we see this light? Yep, in the law and the testimony, our passage says. In other words, in the Bible. God's word is your true light that drives away the darkness of gloom and distress in this dark world. I'm enjoying the light of God's word, and so are you. May the Lord bless and keep you this week. We'll close today with a song by Koine. O bless the Lord, my soul. the Lord my soul let all within me join and take my tongue to bless his name whose favors are divine oh bless the Lord my soul Tis he relieves my pain Tis he that heals my sicknesses And makes me young again He fills the You have been listening to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode number 70. This episode was first shared in June of 2014. For more information, visit our website, kanenbaumpodcast.com. To learn about how you can support the artist, such as Koine featured on this podcast, 
visit our website or koinemusic.com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for listening. Christ died on the cross, set me free. By grace and through faith in the